You're now listening to episode 29 of the Real Estate CPA Podcast. Your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. Brandon Hull and Thomas Castelli here with multifamily syndicator John Cohen to discuss a 121-unit apartment deal he recently closed on in an opportunity zone and how all the pieces came together. John is a multifamily broker turned syndicator who has syndicated over $200 million in real estate throughout the Southeast and Midwest since 2014. Fun fact, John is actually one of my mentors and a person that I've been investing with since his first deal back in 2014, and it's been an awesome ride. As a reminder, we do have a free guide to Opportunity Zones and funds that you can grab right on the homepage of therealestatecpa.com. Several investors have told us that it's been a great resource for them. So if you're looking into Opportunity Zones and funds, you'll definitely want to check that out. Again, you can find it by visiting therealestatecpa.com. And without further ado, let's get right to today's show. John, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Would you mind giving our listeners a little bit of uh, background on your story and how you got started in real estate? Sure. Uh, it's my pleasure to obviously be with you guys today. You know, a little bit about me. I, I started out as a financial advisor. While I was doing that, I realized that real estate, I had a, just a, a, a much better passion for and really wanted to incorporate that into what I was doing. So I ended up quitting the day Facebook IPO'd. I just went down the regular real estate path. You know, I read a lot of books, bought some properties at a tax auction, got my license, became a residential broker transitioned into a commercial broker, started selling multifamily properties in uh, Bushwick, Ridgewood, and Queens for Marcus and Millichap. And then uh, I actually met Tom at a multifamily event. And uh, basically the information I was given and, you know, I built the, you know, the syndication platform, uh, the multifamily platform we have right now. Awesome. And we know that, uh, you know, you've invested in a numerous amount of places. And now just as recently, you invested in an opportunity zone and took advantage of an opportunity fund. Would you be able to tell us a little bit how you learned about the opportunity funds? Yeah. So we actually heard about it pretty early on. One of our contacts is actually an accountant. They look at, uh, and he actually forwarded me an article. It was probably in, it was very early on in the year. He actually called me and I was actually going to drive to a property. He said, there's a really interesting tax law that's being changed you should look into it. And he sent it over to me and we, you know, we looked at it and we said, all right, this is interesting. Now, how can we put it together? Uh, and then you heard more about it. A lot more things started being advertised. You know, there was a lot of people doing things in opportunity zones, not even knowing necessarily the final code because it wasn't, it wasn't hundred percent done yet. Um, this opportunity actually came in. It, we didn't know it was an opportunity zone until I was actually talking to a buddy of mine, someone that actually, you know, very well, my, uh, Tom, it was Mike Anspach, and, and we were looking at the deal as just a regular buy. And he said, you should look, if, you know, check to see if it's in an opportunity zone. So I went online. I went to the website. I looked it up. I said, oh, wow, like, look at this. Like, just unbeknownst to us, you know, we knew about the opportunity zones and, you know, investing in them. And we're actively looking for deals in them. And then this deal just happened to come my way. I looked it up, and it, it, was, uh, it was sort of like the perfect storm. You kind of fell into the opportunity fund by luck. Or by accident, I guess. Yeah, I would say uh, it was definitely by accident. Uh, you know, we were getting ready to close it. We bought the deal cash. 
um, we closed cash, no lending or anything like that. And, and while we were going down that path, if, if my buddy didn't happen to tell me to look it up, I probably wouldn't have, and we probably wouldn't have gotten all the benefits or, or benefits, you know, what they will be in the future. Uh, if we didn't know that, cause then we, you know, we structured it properly, you know, we did the opportunity fund, you know, the, the language and the operating agreement. So it, it qualifies. And, uh, we actually were selling two properties at the time. Uh, so we actually took the gains from those properties and rolled it right in. So it was actually, you know, dumb luck, I guess you could say, but you know, with a, with a quasi spin on it. Hmm. So is there like a big rehab component to this or, or what about the deal stuck out to you? Yeah. So it's actually 121 unit vacant property. So it's a 121 wow. unit vacant deal. This would be our third vacant property that we bought. Um, it's 121 units vacant. We bought it for about seven a door, give or take. And we're putting in about 25,000 a door. So it definitely checks off the boxes with substantial improvement. You know, we're spending almost three and a half times what we bought it for. The story behind the deal it was actually owned by a, uh, what was it? It was senior housing. Uh, a lady bought it or a man bought it and they messed the deal up. They actually set it on fire. And they, there's like intentionally? Like, yeah, they, they went underwater on two notes and we actually bought it through short sale. Uh, my buddy had it under contract. He wasn't able to put the deal together. So he called me up and said, Hey, we're struggling raising some money from this. You want to take a look at it? I looked at it, thought it was a really good opportunity. It's a market that we're really, really, you know, well-versed in. The first property I ever bought was in Columbus, Ohio. Tom was actually, you know, integrally involved in that deal. Um, and it's just a market we like. My manager's great out there. Our boots on the ground is fantastic. And uh, we just came across the deal. It was a really messed up situation. But uh, that's where we have seen to do really well is executing on those really messed up situations. Got it. So most, I mean, I know you have a lot of experience syndicating and uh, we, we work with a lot of other syndicators as well as fund owners. I would be willing to bet that most would be terrified of a 0% occupied building, but you're not. So you must be pretty bullish on the, the Columbus market. Uh, so what, what about Columbus kind of draws you to it? It's just, it has, it checks off every single box uh, that we look for in a market. Just the size of the market is fantastic. The population is great. The economic factors are great. There's no one market. There's no one employer that has a massive sector. So it's a very diverse economy. It has a ton of population growth, probably one of the fastest growing markets in the country. Uh, you know, at least top, you know, top 10, 20, it's not you know, it, it's a big market. So percentage wise, it may not look like it's growing, but population has been growing steadily for five plus years. They're attracting a ton of new jobs. Columbus is centrally located. You got really good airports, really good uh, diversification to different markets throughout the country. Um, the supply and demand is not crazy skewed. It's not, you know, an overbuilding going on. There's a lot of people moving there. Um, and other than that, unemployment's really low. Population growth is high, job growth is high. So it's all those boxes that we check off when we look at a market. And this is a market that we've been you know, actively looking in since 2013, 14. You know, that, that's good to hear because you know what it is like. Uh, we talk to a lot of people about opportunity funds, and we always have to make it clear the fundamentals of the market you're investing, the fundamentals of the deal still have to make sense. Everybody looks at the tax benefits and is like, oh, this is great. But you can't just be throwing money out there. I know you mentioned you you bought the deal in cash. Uh, when it came, did you end up raising and you rolled over your capital gains into it? Uh, did you end up raising capital from anybody else? Yeah, we do. We have a we have a handful of investors. Um, you know, our typical roster. We're actually because of 
the situation of the deal, we actually have to get some zoning and some approvals in uh, to, to start the physical interior work. So instead of raising the capital, we have commitments right now. There's actually openings in the deal if someone wanted to throw a couple extra dollars in. Uh, it, it's still, you know, we closed at the end of October, October 24th. So there's still an opportunity for some, you know, we have a couple of investors that we basically said, hey, don't put your money in yet because we can't do anything right now. So instead of, tra- you know, accruing interest or having to pay people, you know, for today, you know, we probably can't start interior work till February based on when we submit final architectural drawings. So yes, the answer is we have a lot of our own money in there um, as a placeholder and or as a, you know, as a buck, as a target. Hey, this is what people have put in. Um, but there's, there's a couple extra spots for some other investors. We actually have another deal that's selling hopefully here, you know, probably by close of business Friday. Uh, and we'll probably throw a couple extra dollars in there as well. Was it like when you talk to other investors about this, is there any specific, you know, challenges to having that conversation um, versus, you know, a traditional syndication when you're trying to raise that capital? It, it was a, uh... It was entertaining. Let's put it that way, right? Because the opportunity zone side of it made added a whole of complexity. So that layer of complexity in and amongst itself made it challenging to raise. Because obviously, people wanted to understand, you know, what that component was. But you know, what we tried to tell people was, there the opportunity zone fund of this is only one part of it. Like you guys said, you still have to invest fundamentally in a good area. Just because it's in an opportunity zone, there's tax benefits doesn't mean it's a good deal and you should just throw money in it. So we, we tried to err on the side of, Hey, take the opportunity zone out of it. And just, we raised as if it was a regular deal. What we've told our investors is, you know, some people were selling some stocks, some people that were in, were in other deals. So what we did was basically say, Hey, you can allocate your money here. Let that money sell. As long as your money gets invested this year, you can take advantage of the, you know, 2018 start of the opportunity fund and that's sort of what we pushed out. And it was it was like any other challenge with any other deal. You know, obviously the vacancy, some people had a ton of questions on, uh, you know, the vacancy component, the renovation component, wanted to make sure we were well budgeted. But for the most part, you know, regular hurdles, I should say, maybe with, you know, an added layer here and there. Guys, so was there was there any specific challenges outside of, you know, the capital raise uh, that you that you could speak on? Or was it just minor, minor challenges, minor things you'd expect? I would say the biggest challenges were just because there was a ton of, there was two different banks involved on the short sales component of it to making sure everything was in order from that standpoint. Cause it was, my friend had it under contract for over a year. It's been a year and a half. They've been working through the short sale. Uh, that was the biggest challenge, just making sure that, you know, everything was being paid that was supposed to be paid, making sure that we, you know, we didn't close on the deal and, you know, unbeknownst to us, there was an outstanding sewer bill or water bill or something that would be our responsibility that would, would slip through the crack. That was the biggest component. Um, the other biggest challenge is just anytime you're doing a renovation project, like this, making sure you have solid qualified contractors and guys bidding the job out, you know, cause this is a very large job. It's a very big renovation. Uh, you don't want that to be done, you know, by Mr. And Mrs. Jones. You want to make sure you have a very credible group behind the number they put on paper. And that's probably the biggest challenge with this deal. Just making sure you have the right group that can execute this plan. Awesome. So, um, you know, we have to transition just a little bit. Uh, this is an accounting and tax podcast. Sometimes we have to get into those boring questions or the fuck, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. Um, you know, in your business, you know, outside of just the opportunity fund stuff, you, you obviously syndicate a lot of deals. Uh, how do you end up handling uh, the accounting side of, the, of your business? 
So our accounting is, you know, we use a third-party firm. Um, it's a local firm to us. They're, they work very well with our attorney, and they handle the physical, the back end of our side. From a property level, our management companies have the, the accountants in-house that they use. And then in, internally at our office, you know, we have a full-time, let's call our admin slash secretary that handles everything, you know, making sure the books from the property tie together. So when we send them off to our accountant, the K-1s get done, everything's being done properly. And it's a good checks and balances to make sure, you know, the money's being spent where it's supposed to be spent and so on and so forth. So, so I guess as a syndicator, you wouldn't want to spend your time, you know, on the accounting. You, you have to have that out of your way. A hundred percent. You need a solid team. I mean, listen, you could bring, you know, we do have goals to be, you know, vertically integrated a hundred percent, but there are certain issues or certain things that you need team members for and having a, a rock solid accounting group or, or firm is, is super critical. Um, it's something that I want to look at. I'm not a CPA. I, you know, I took an accounting class in high school that does not qualify me to, you know, to put eyes on that. I can understand it, but that's not, you know, that's not where I want to be spending my time. And so what would you say for other syndicators out there who, who've heard of opportunity funds and they're interested in learning more? What do they need to do to understand the tax benefits and then understand how to sell it to clients, right? Or, or to, to investors who are going to come into the deals? Yeah. One thing that I would do is make sure your accountant or your accounting firm understands it. Because there's right now, the problem that I'm seeing is that there are brokers selling opportunity deals and opportunity funds and this property is in an opportunity zone. The problem is they don't understand that you have to put in a lot of money. So you can't go buy a deal for 70 a door unless you're going to put in 71 a door, you know, whatever it is. So you got to make sure that your group understands it. Uh, and then one thing we do, we have some good resources. Uh, we have a 1031 or a tax advisor that we work with very closely. And he put together an entire report that when we sent out and we spoke to our investors, we attached that report so that they had questions. And we also prefaced it by saying, hey, this is what we understand about the rule. Make sure your accounting firm and the person that you go to do your taxes, make sure they understand it as well, because it is new. So, you know, the jury's going to, you know, it's, you know, the jury's out still, you know, nothing's been audited in an opportunity zone yet. So you, you want to make sure that you have a good, not only from my standpoint, from a sponsor standpoint, make sure they have a good understanding, but from an insurer standpoint, they also have to have a good understanding for it because they have to have the necessary resources in their tool belt if it doesn't go right or if it's not what they thought or if the interests are in a line. So the biggest thing I would say is make sure that your group behind you is extremely versed in it and understands it. And, you know, the interests are aligned with going into the deal because, you know, one of the biggest questions we have proposed or, or asked to us during this process is, you know, if you guys want to sell the deal in two years, what happens? You're the sponsor. Like if we want to hold it for 10 and get the full benefit, what happens? And that question has a lot of answers. And I think you guys can probably speak to those answers as well. Um, and you hear conflicting thoughts from accounting firms because we, we spoke to a bunch. Some say you could keep it in the fund and the fund just has to go buy another deal. Others say, well, you're not going to get the benefit. Others say just hold the deal for 10 years. So with this particular deal, you know, we went into it with a 10 year plan, you know, buy, renovate, refi, hold for 10 years. Now, if we get offered a crazy number, well then, you know, if someone wants to pay us a stupid number for it, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, but we're fully prepared. You know, 
I'd rather take my profits off the table and pay taxes than buy a bad deal. So if someone's going to give us a lot of money for this deal and I can distribute money back to investors, the investors have to understand that there could be a tax consequence in the future, but, but they understand that we're going into it with the same vision. Yeah, you know, that's good to know because a lot of, a lot of people ask, you know, what happens in that 10 years, 10 years, a longer hold period than a lot of people, especially investors are used to, you know, used to getting out three to five years, maybe seven years. And, you know, I think the way we're looking at it is more or less like the fund itself needs to stay open. So if you wanted to sell the deal, you could sell the deal, but you just need to continue the fund. And I think that's what, you know, what, what some limited partners out there would need to understand. But yeah, at the end of the day, not everything is about taxes. Uh, if someone, like John said, if someone offers you a stupid number, uh, you should absolutely. I think uh, Brandon had a story. One of our clients, uh, so if someone offered him a huge amount of uh, money for a deal early on, it would be a short-term gain. But it was like, why not sell it, right? So it's not always about taxes. It's sometimes about what makes sense. But you know, outside of opportunity funds, what would you say is the best tax advice that you ever received? Uh, figure it out when you get there. <laughs> I don't think that that's probably not the best advice, but the best tax advice I got, I mean, it, it could go as simple as, you know, checking off if you're a real estate, a full-time real estate investor on your taxes, or if someone in your family qualified for that, you know, if you're going to save a ton of money from, you know, what you can write off. If someone yourself or your significant other or spouse, or somehow you could structure a business with your family member to check that box off. That's probably the advice I got. Uh, my dad's a CPA and an attorney. So, you know, he tells me things here and there that go in one ear and out the other. But I would say that little box checked off, you know, I, I can tell you hundreds of stories of people I know that I've mentioned that to that they've just been, oh my God, you have no idea how much money you saved me in taxes because I qualify for this. And a lot of accountants don't know that. So I would say that's probably the best advice. Um, it didn't save me a lot of money because I had that, I already, it, it was already checked for me. But I do. I can tell you countless stories from people I've spoken to and introduced, and said, "Hey, check this out." That's probably the biggest one I can speak to. Yeah. So, a hundred percent. So, what John's talking about there is the real estate professional status. If you work full time in a real estate trader business, or you you know you your spouse works full time in a real estate trader business, or your spouse doesn't work at all, and you do a lot of investing, that's something you probably want to uh, take a look at, uh, speak to your accountant about, make sure that you guys are on the same page. And then if you qualify, you are taking advantage of that. Yeah, absolutely. John, we, we are a virtual CPA firm. We love technology. What's your favorite piece of tech that you use on a daily basis, personal or business? Yeah, I am a pen and paper type technology. I try, you know, I download the latest app and I try and integrate it. <laughs> and for whatever reason, I keep falling back to pen and paper. I'm 31 years old. I'm a millennial. I should be all about technology. I mean, it took me 10 minutes to log on to the Zoom conference, and I already have Zoom on my phone. So I would say the best piece of technology that we use is probably email, and that's that's a bad answer. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm yeah. not the most tech-savvy <laughs> I'm not the most tech savvy individual, but you know, you know, we, we, we try and incorporate different things here and there. I think what you guys are doing, you know, from when I've spoken to Tom, I think it's awesome. I think, you know, this is the way business is trending. And I would love for someone to sit down in the office and slot me around and say, Hey, get more technology savvy. But you know, we, we're slowly getting there. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with pen and paper, right? Old school tech's good to go. And, and everybody <laughs> listening can't actually see John right now, but he does have AirPods in his ear. So 
I don't buy that he's not super tech forward. <laughs> that, that stuff's some pretty pretty slick. There tech. you go. <laughs> All right, John. Well, we definitely appreciate coming on the show today. It's been a pleasure. What would be you know the best way for our listeners to get in contact with you? Um, email, uh, email, or my all you know just line. E- I, leave a voicemail. I typically return every call you know within four to forty eight hours. But email is by far the greatest uh, the way to reach me. I check that every day. Uh, and I'll typically get back to someone, you know, regardless of time, within 24 hours, if I get an email, I'll reach out. I'll, I'll get back to you. All right. Your, your website, yeah, it's, it's Toro Rep, uh, Toro R-E-P, correct? Yeah, Toro R-E-P for real estate partners. So T-O-R-O-R-E-P.com. And my email address is just john at tororep.com. All right. Awesome. Thanks for coming on, John. I'm sure people are going to love the story about the Opportunity Funds. Oh, guys, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, if you have any questions, you know, anyone out there, don't hesitate to give me a buzz. I'm, you know, I'm pretty easy to talk to. Uh, love talking real estate, love talking every aspect of this business. And I appreciate you guys having me again. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, You really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes and with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.